0: Hey everybody, Jason here, and Paul, and as you may have seen from the title of this episode, this one is about the 2020 Olympics, which are to take place in Tokyo, Japan. And at the time we recorded this episode, originally, coronavirus was not really a thing. But now that it is a thing, and it is in the news quite a bit lately, I thought it made sense to just put a little add-on here and talk about whether that may affect the upcoming Olympics. So, Paul, what's going on with coronavirus? It's spreading quickly, but I ain't worried about it. Is it going to affect the Olympics? Doesn't seem to be. No. I read an article from, I think, yesterday, and we're recording this on March 2nd. So as of today, the Olympics planning committee has said that they haven't even discussed canceling. Like, it's not even an option. It's not on the table. Yeah, it's not something they've talked about at all. But they have discussed countermeasures against infectious diseases, like they're preparing, you know, to make sure it doesn't become a problem with the Olympics. And just to give some background on the current state of the coronavirus thing in Japan, the most recent article I read is as of today, March 2nd: Japan has 254 cases of infection and six deaths from coronavirus, plus 705 cases and six deaths linked to the Diamond Princess cruise ship. Did you hear about that, Paul? Yeah, that's just been a disaster. So there was this cruise ship. They detected the virus on the ship, and it was quarantined off of Japan's coast for a while. Not anymore. They brought all those people to shore to be treated. Yeah, that's the current state of things. The Japanese government has established the novel coronavirus response headquarters. Tokyo has its own special task force, and the Olympic Committee also made its own task force. So everybody's taking it pretty seriously, it sounds like. And uh, as far as the Olympics go, it doesn't sound like there's anything to worry about at this point. They're not talking about canceling it or postponing it or anything. Everything is on schedule. And really, if you're going to the Olympics from America or
1: Europe, there's already coronavirus here, too. Like, it's not any more risky going to Japan than it is living in America right now. Yeah. So there you go. The games must go on. And coronavirus is probably a little overblown.
0: Probably. You know, the media likes stuff. Yeah, I mean, how many how many other disease scares have we gone through in the last, like, 20 years or something?
1: Yeah, they ran out of animals, to name it after. Swine <laughs> flu, bird
0: flu. Yeah. All right, well... uh, I think that's it for coronavirus stuff. Let's get into the episode. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the
0: land of sporting passion. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today we're talking about the 2020 Summer Olympics which in Japanese are Nisen Nijūnen Kaki Olympic. And they're being held this year in Tokyo, Japan, from July 24th to August 9th. We're also going to be mentioning the Paralympics which are from August 25th to September 6th. Paul, did you know that the official name of the Olympics this year is the Games of the 32nd Olympiad or in Japanese Dai Sanjūni Kai Olympic Kyōgi Taikai? I did know that after researching this episode. I'd never heard of this Olympiad thing before. Really? Yeah. I I don't really pay attention. I'd heard it said that way before. Apparently, an Olympiad is the four-year period starting at the opening of the Summer Olympics. So, the 32nd Olympiad starts this year because the first modern Olympiad started in 1896. It wasn't even that long ago that they started doing the
1: Olympics every two years, like summer, winter, summer, winter. Really? When we were kids, it was all in the same year. No way. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. They staggered it sometime in our lifetime, maybe 20 years ago or something. Hmm. I can't remember. One of them, they did two years after they just did it. I can't remember if it was the summer or the Olympics. They kind of like got a half extra early Olympics.
0: Cool. Cool like we said, for this year, it's going to be in Tokyo, and Tokyo was selected in 2013. They've been planning this for a while. They decided at the 125th International Olympic Committee meeting in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Yeah, it takes a while to prepare for an Olympic
1: Games, yeah. as we'll get into a little bit here.
0: Definitely. Tokyo also hosted the
1: Summer Olympics in 1964.
0: Yeah, it's the first city in Asia ever to host the Summer Games twice insinuating there's been other cities that have done it. Though I don't know off
1: the top of my head. What? Other cities outside of Asia must have done it multiple times then.
0: Yeah, I guess so. If It was stated that way. But this will actually be the fourth time that Japan has hosted the Olympics. They did the Winter Olympics in Sapporo in 1972, and then in Nagano in 1998. I remember those ones. Yeah, I remember Nagano. And this will also be the second of three consecutive Olympic games held in East Asia in 2018, they were in Pyeongchang County, South Korea, and the next one in 2022 is going to be in Beijing, China. Beijing just did a summer games like not that long ago too. Really?
1: Like eight years ago or something. Hmm. That's cool. Good for them. Yeah. Reuse all that stuff they built for the last one.
0: Maybe. Maybe they'll just tear it all down and start over. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. So I want to talk a little bit about development and preparation for the Games, because that's a pretty big deal. It costs a lot of money, a lot of work, a lot of time to prepare for the Olympics. In fact, the Tokyo Metropolitan Government set aside 400 billion yen for hosting the Olympics. That's about 3.6 billion U.S. dollars. That's, that's a chunk of change. Yeah, but that's only about half what they expected the cost would end up being. They forecasted they would end up spending... 7.3 billion US dollars. And let me guess, let me guess,
1: they ended up spending even more than that.
0: Quite a bit more.
1: <laughs> that's how it always seems to go on these things.
0: Yeah, I read an article from December that said they might end up spending over 26 billion oh, US dollars.
1: Wow, that's almost four times the original estimate.
0: Yeah, and if they hit that, it would make it the most expensive Olympics ever. Wow. I mean,
1: yeah, I suppose doing any work in Tokyo is going to be expensive.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to do. Yeah. One, what are they doing? Well, one big challenge is transportation. Yeah. Because you've probably heard about how busy those Tokyo subways are and, you know, bringing in more than half a million visitors, which is what they expect, that's going to put a lot of strain on their transportation system. Yeah. Wow. That's going to be nuts. Yeah. So they're building a new... Station, they're expanding a bunch of existing stations this year. They're debuting a new model of Shinkansen, the bullet train. Ooh, you see that? No, it's called the N700S. The S is for supreme. Oh, right, S class. I like yeah, it, the best N700 yet. And they're working to make the railways more accessible to uh differently abled people. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, one thing that I
1: saw that I think is cool is that they are linking both Haneda Airport and Narita Airport to Tokyo Station. Yeah. So that, forever, that's just going to make traveling in Japan easier. Yeah. Which is nice.
0: Yeah, definitely. That will help uh, get into central Tokyo from either of those airports. And the airports will be
1: connected then through that station too. It used to be a long time to like get from Narita to Haneda if you had to, but now since they're both going to be connected to Tokyo Station you'll be able to get between the two airports much easier.
0: Yeah, convenient. Yes. Uh, In March, they're also supposed to introduce a new English language website where you can reserve Shinkansen tickets. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And apparently, I didn't realize this, but there's already an English app that you can use to book the Shinkansen. Oh, wow. It's been around since the end of 2017. It's not like it's hard to get those tickets, but it's a little... Difficult, I guess, sometimes. Sometimes you have to wait in line if it's busy, like at the train station. Yeah, I got to bust out my phrase book (laughs) to try to request the tickets. Uh, They always have plenty of English to help you out with that at the station, I feel like. Usually, but. But, I mean, the app and the website, that's not really going to help if you are using the JR pass anyway, because you have to present that in person.
1: Yeah, that's true. Still got to do that the old-fashioned way at the booth. Yep.
0: Some train lines are also extending their service hours. JR East and the Tokyo Metro agreed to extend them by about 30 to 90 minutes, depending on the line, every day through the Olympics. And other train companies are considering extending their services to 1 to 2 a.m. That would help people trying to get home late at night. Yeah, that's awesome. People are going to want to go out after watching the games, too. Yeah, I thought this was interesting, too. More than half a million people in Tokyo are being asked to work from home starting July 24th, the first day of the Olympics, to ease congestion.
1: That's really smart.
0: Yeah. So they're expecting over 600,000 visitors coming in for the Olympics and the Paralympics. So wow, if they can get around that many people staying home, that could definitely help. Yeah. Yeah. That can make a huge difference. Yeah. Just to give some context there. Over 20 million people use public transport in the greater Tokyo area every single day. 20 million. Wow. Wow. That's such a feat. Yeah. And trains can already, even right now, just on a normal day, they can reach 200% capacity at peak times. But there's some professor that studies you know, the transportation, and he said it's possible that they could reach 300% capacity during the Olympics, which could cripple the system. So, wow. That might have been what uh, motivated them to try to get people to stay home.
1: Yeah, somehow the Tokyo subway system always seems to make it work. I've been there a couple times where it's like, no way everyone's going to fit on this train. But I've never seen anyone ever have to stay behind for the next train. Somehow everyone just squeezes on board. They're pretty good at it. But there's got to be a there. breaking
0: point at some point. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens, but hopefully all that stuff they've been working on will uh, make things run smoothly. Yeah, it should definitely help. And that's the kind of stuff that it's really costly, but it benefits your city
1: after the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of
0: those expanded train stations are still going to be there. It helps with future infrastructure, too.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's more beneficial in the future to spend... uh, couple billion dollars building trains and subways than it is uh, dropping it on a
0: stadium that
1: you do concerts in once a week.
0: Sure. Speaking of stadiums,
1: (laughs) I bet they spent some money on those
0: too. Just a little bit. Yeah, so they also have to think about venues and infrastructure because there are a lot of events that are going on and they need a lot of different types of buildings to take care of all those. So they still had the National Stadium, which was... The main venue for the 1964 Olympics. And was built for those Olympics. Yeah. But they decided, not good enough. We're going to tear it down. That's what they did. And they built a bigger one. A new, brand new building in the same spot, which just opened recently on December 21st, 2019. There was a false start or two and a redesign or two along the way. Yeah, it sounded like it didn't go perfectly smoothly, all the planning stuff. But but it's open now. Yep, eighty thousand person capacity or so.
1: That's a pretty big stadium. Yep, and I didn't know it's
0: actually located in Shinjuku. I didn't know that. Mm.
1: I never noticed it there before.
0: Yeah, I don't remember like seeing a giant building in the middle of Shinjuku.
1: Right, but Shinjuku's packed pretty tight. Like it could be right behind like the one set of
0: buildings nearby, and you wouldn't see it until yeah. you're there. True. Yeah, so this new national stadium cost 157 billion yen to build, which is 1.4 billion U.S. dollars. Ooh, it's a big chunk.
1: Yeah, it's an expensive stadium. But that's kind of normal. All these stadiums we're building in the U.S. cost like over a billion dollars these days, too. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, that's just one venue, too. That, yeah. That just takes care that's of... This is for the opening and closing ceremonies and a little a little football, Yeah, English football. Yeah, but in total, there are going to be 42 competition venues, eight of which are brand new, several more of them are temporary, and the rest are already existing, and they're spread all over Tokyo, with one exception. Paul, did you see that they recently decided to move the marathon and race walking events to Sapporo? Yes, I did. Yeah. Odori Park. We talked about that in our uh, Hokkaido episode, I think. Yeah, that'll be a cool spot for them. Mm -hmm. Good for Sapporo. Yeah, and good for the athletes. They moved it because of heat concerns. Tokyo gets pretty warm in the summer. It's
1: expected to be the hottest summer Olympics ever, apparently. Wow. Due to Tokyo being a heat sink and due to global warming and the usual hot summers. It's just forecasted to be a perfect disaster of hot, sweaty days.
0: Can you imagine running a marathon in that?
1: The, I heard the people in Tokyo were like, let's just move it earlier in the morning. <laughs> and The Olympic committee was like, nah, we don't want anyone dying out there. Yeah. So there's some other famous venues in Tokyo that are going to be part of the Olympics too, that I wanted to mention here. Like what? How about kokugi arena? Never heard of it. It's also known as Ryogoku Sumo Hall.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And we cover this one in our sumo episode. Mm -hmm. So they're going to host the boxing events there. Cool. Because it's perfectly designed for a little square ring right in the middle. Every seat is like facing it perfectly. Nice. Also, I found out between sumo tournaments, they do have pro boxing and professional wrestling here as well and music, music concerts too. So it's widely used. One other one that's pretty famous is the Nippon Budokan. I've heard of that one. It was built for the 1964 Olympics when judo made its debut as an Olympic sport. Mm. Uh, So the judo and karate competitions are going to be held there. It's used mainly for martial arts competitions and also pro wrestling. (laughs) Pro wrestling is kind of big in Japan.
0: I didn't know that. I've never seen like I mean is it really theatrical like American pro, Oh wrestling? yeah.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's ridiculous
0: <laughs> but fun. <laughs> cool.
1: So this is also a famous concert hall. I didn't know this, but ABBA played there. Nice. The Beatles played there. Okay. That must have been like late 60s. Uh Tina Turner apparently played there as well. So some big names have been through there. Cool. And there's one more venue That's not an actual sporting venue, but I wanted to mention, because it's like my favorite building in Tokyo, is the Tokyo Big Site Mm, Conference Center on Odaiba. The four upside-down pyramids elevated all together. That's a super cool-looking building. What are they using it for? It's the Media Press Center and the International Broadcast Center. Uh So that's going to be involved, too. There's going to be a lot of events in Odaiba, too, a bunch of swimming and stuff. So there'll be athletes around, too. That's all I got for venues.
0: Okay. Let's talk about events then, because there are a few new ones this year. So there are core events that are always in the Olympics, but the International Olympic Committee has new policies that allow the host organizing committee to add sports. So Japan got to pick out a few of their own, and they decided to add karate, Mm -hmm. sport climbing, basically rock climbing a few different types of rock climbing they do surfing skateboarding and baseball slash softball which count as one one event apparently yeah and uh, all of those except baseball and softball are making their Olympic debuts yeah. Baseball and softball haven't been in the Olympics since 2008. And I'm so pumped baseball's back in it. I bet you are. I wish the major
1: leagues in America would take the time off to send a team over there so we'd get to watch like our best guys go at it. Mm. But they don't. So it's going to be a bunch of uh, AAA guys over there or something. Mm. But they'll still do us right. They'll still do us proud. All
0: right. All right. I thought it was a little surprising that this is the first time for karate to be a part of the Olympics. Because they've had judo, boxing, wrestling, even taekwondo have been in the Olympics for decades. Yeah. Interesting. Can't have everything though, I guess. Yeah. I think they actually just dropped a bunch of wrestling events. Oh.
1: Because there just wasn't enough people around the world competing in it or something. Huh. There weren't enough top tier competitors or something. But it's kind of a shame because wrestling's one of those few sports that goes all the way back to the ancient Olympic Games in Greece you know, wrestling and javelin and the stuff they did
0: back then. Yeah, yeah. Paul, I have a fun fact about karate, too. Did you know that karate did not originate in Japan? No. Does that what? shock you? But yeah. it's got a Japanese name. Get this. Karate actually originated, I'm. this is a little bit of a tricky one, because it originated in Okinawa, which is now a part of Japan. But when it originated there, Okinawa was not a part of it. Oh, you got me. Yeah. You got me. It's a technicality, sort of, but interesting, huh? Yeah. So karate is recuing.
1: ru ru yeah, it. No, I'm Caught not in. I'm definitely <laughs> not cutting that. That was too much fun. There's also going to be three other sports that weren't in the last Summer Olympics that were added in by the Olympic Committee. Probably because wrestling and whatever else fell out. Now we've got these three in, and they are three on three basketball, which sounds really interesting.
0: I'm curious like what it looks like seeing three pro basketball players play against another three. Like I just can't imagine how the game would change. Right. You know? How long till we have one on one in the Olympics? That would be so fun to watch. That would be epic. Yeah. <laughs> um, also freestyle BMX. Yeah, they're trying to aim the Olympics more at youth, so they're adding more uh, extreme sports these days.
1: Yeah, with uh, Japan choosing to add skateboarding and surfing for this Olympics too, Mm -hmm. that's, that's really cool. They've got a lot of newer stuff, which is nice. Yeah. And the third one the IOC is adding is called Madison Cycling, and it's actually a cycling relay race. Cool. Uh, And it's apparently American invented. So hopefully we dominate, right? I don't know. Hopefully. (laughs) We'll see. Hopefully no one falls trying to pass a baton on bikes. Does that happen often? I
0: know I've seen videos of like in a bike race, somebody goes down and then like 20 people behind them go down.
1: I don't know if it's like super common, but
0: when someone does go down, it creates that
1: huge piling effect. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which makes those crashes kind of epic. Yeah. So that's it for the new sports. Otherwise, all the same old classics, track and field stuff, soccer, swimming, all sorts of
0: stuff. So I have a little fun fact about the medals they're going to be given out. I thought this was interesting. In 2017, the Tokyo Organizing Committee announced an electronics recycling program. So they asked for donations of electronics, and then they're going to use the metal from those electronics to make the medals for the Olympics. Pretty cool. Yeah, and I actually heard they had a little trouble
1: getting all the silver they needed. Yeah. Because the gold medals are actually made with a silver base. Yeah,
0: I didn't realize that before. They must just be
1: plated in gold or something. I guess. But they eventually got, I think they got all the bronze, silver, and gold they needed. Just to recycling cell phones and things like that. It's crazy. Yeah. There must have been a lot of cell phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see what the medals looked like? No, did you? Yeah, yeah. They're pretty cool. What do they look like? Uh, on the front, it's a woman that looks like she's wearing like a toga or something, like her arms out, and she's running in front of like an old stadium. It looks like an old Circus Maximus, like Roman style, like the Colosseum or something. Like the Colosseum, but not circle, like oval. Okay. And on the back, it's like a flower petal shape with the Olympic reef in the center.
0: Flower petal shape, like uh cherry blossom, or just no, just like a flower petal.
1: Like okay. just the backs, kind of just like wavy, like looks like petals. To that's what I thought when All I right. saw it. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, they look they look pretty cool. It'd be a nice medal to win. Be able to have it in your trophy case for a while. Yeah,
0: I, I wouldn't mind having having a. Olympic medal would
1: be pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think most people sell them after they win, but, you know, whatever. Are you serious? I think a lot of people do. To who? Collectors, you know? Huh. If you if you won a gold medal and, like, 10 years later you could sell it for, like, $50,000, you'd probably be a little tempted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, a lot of the athletes in the Olympic Games, all those sports besides, like, basketball and soccer and stuff, they're not, like, super wealthy athletes. Yeah, I suppose. You know, they all work at the Home Depot or whatever in the off season to help train. Okay. So they got to run the torch relay to get the torch to Japan. Yeah, that's a big thing. The torch is going to be lit on March 19th in
0: Olympia, Greece. March? March 19th. they do the relay all the way from March up until July? It goes all over
1: Japan. It's going to go to all 47 perfectual capitals in Japan. Wow. How do they get it to different islands and stuff? They yeah, could put it on a boat. Huh. I wonder if they don't cheat sometime and like fly it. Like, are they really going to put it on a boat from Greece? Well, it's supposed to be to, like, burning the whole Japan, time, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be. But if they put it on an airplane, they're not going to leave it burning. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look that hard into it. By the way, that's cool. They're going to hit every area in Japan with that thing. So everyone's going to get a chance to come out and see the
0: Olympic flame. That's cool. Gets people psyched. Yeah. So, of course, they've been doing a lot of marketing to drum up interest in the 2020 Olympics. There's actually a nationwide design contest in Japan to design the emblem for the 2020 Olympics. And in 2016, they unveiled the winning design Maybe you've seen it. It's a uh, kind of a ring sort of shape, but the ring is in an indigo-colored checkerboard pattern, and the Paralympics emblem actually is almost the same, except instead of a full ring, it's like a little crescent. Okay. It's a pretty cool-looking emblem. And it being
1: Japan, of course, they've got mascots for the Olympic Games. For the Summer Olympics, Miraitoa is the official
0: mascots. Yeah, you know what that name means? Yes, it means future and eternity. Yeah, Mirai is future, Toa is eternity. And he's a little cutesy cartoon character. Yeah, and he's uh, blue
1: with the same checkered type pattern that's on the official logo. Yeah. So it kind of ties in. Yeah, blue and white. And he's got a whole backstory. Of course. And a personality. (laughs) He is a fully fleshed out character. He has a strong sense of justice and the olympics so of course he's very athletic yes of course and then randomly he has the ability to teleport anywhere instantly awesome cuz why not
0: do you know there's also a mascot for the paralympics oh you mean somaiti yes i do yeah i know about her she's named after Yoshino, a type of cherry blossom mm also that name is supposed to sound like so mighty in english <laughs> yeah that's kind of that was funny that's kind of funny <laughs> cuz i mean yeah, okay, that's that's an English phrase. I've never heard anyone like use those words together, like, oh, that person is so mighty, you know? Yeah, not in like real life. Like, Nobody, maybe, like maybe, maybe in a fantasy book or I something. I feel like mighty is a dated word. You don't hear people use that adjective anymore. Yeah, I think of like middle ages night if someone says like mighty. <laughs> I think of mighty mouse. That's the only time I've heard like mighty in pop culture. Yeah. So so matey. She also has the checkerboard pattern, like the other dude. But she's pink. Right. And she's supposed to be calm, but can also be very powerful when needed. Oh, interesting. She can fly. Yeah, she's got a cape. (laughs) Her cape lets her fly. And she's got these little cherry blossom-shaped antennae that allow her to send telepathic messages. Interesting. Pretty cool. She can also talk to stones and the wind. Wow. And move objects by looking at them. I'm impressed. A telekinesis. Man. Yeah. got two regular superhero mascots. So
1: they're supposedly have conflicting personalities, but nevertheless, they have a strong friendship and respect for each other. Okay. And uh, according to their backgrounds, they both live in the digital world. Yeah. And through the internet, they can transport themselves between the digital world and the real world. Pretty awesome. That's a lot of powers. Yeah, so to link it back to like Japanese culture, I've got a quote from uh, Sadashige Aoki, an advertising theory professor at Hosei University in Japan. Hit me. He says the mascots follow the Japanese tradition of creating personalized characters out of nature, mountains, rivers, animals, and plants, and it goes along with the traditions of animism and the yeah. belief that everything natural has a soul.
0: Definitely. We have to do an episode eventually about mascots because it's, it's interesting how ingrained they are in Japanese culture. You see them everywhere. I was going through some of my pictures from one of my trips recently, and they have a little mascot that they paint on the sidewalks telling people like, that you're not supposed to smoke. on the sidewalk and it's this little (laughs) cloud of cigarette smoke with a little pink bow on it and like a happy little cartoony face like hey don't smoke here (laughs) that's
1: that's that's funny
0: yeah it's
1: almost too much yeah
0: or like like different like utilities companies and stuff will have mascots based on whatever utility they're selling you know here's the most interesting thing I found about the mascots and maybe
1: even like the most Japanese thing about them Hmm. is that they're going to use the mascots through licensing and merchandising to help pay for the Olympic Games.
0: Yeah, makes sense. I heard an Olympic official
1: said they were planning to generate $130 million from licensing and merchandising for these characters they made up. Nice.
0: Dude, on my recent trip, I saw them selling Olympics merchandise all over the place, like in stores that were completely unrelated to anything sports. Like uh, I think in Big Camera, one of the big electronics <laughs> store chains. Wow, they just had a section of the store full of like T-shirts and little. I'm sure they had like plushies of the mascots and all this stuff just covered in the Olympics mascots and logo. Yeah, and you were uh, eight months ahead of the Olympics or something. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, you're not even gonna be there during the Olympics. Why would you want a souvenir? But they're gonna try to sell that stuff. It's all over the place. (laughs) So robots are going to be front and center at these Olympics. Awesome. There's going to be field support robots known as FSRs. They're going to carry javelins and shot puts and other thrown items around. So a human doesn't have to retrieve them all after every toss. Awesome. Did you see what they look like? Not those ones. Okay. Okay. There's also going to be robotic versions of the mascots. So there's going to be a robot, Mirai Toa, and a robot, Somity. And they're going to have cameras with facial recognition technology. Cool. Toyota is making these robots. And they say that the mascots are going to be able to recognize people and use their eyes to respond and show a variety of expressions.
0: I wonder how they're going to interact with people. Like, What would they use that facial recognition for? Are they going to greet people by name? I don't know. That would be really cool. But also, can you imagine how creepy that would be? Just walking up to whatever event you're going to and the robot greets you by name. And you're like, how did how did this robot know my name? It gets even better. There's going to be HSRs, which are human support robots
1: in the form of robotic butlers. Sweet. They're going to be able to guide attendees to their seats and even bring light refreshment and drinks over. They're also going to be able to help attendees with mobility problems get to their
0: seats. That's so cool. They I sound gotta, like
1: some impressive robots.
0: So, did you only see pictures of the mascot ones, or what? Yeah, are, yeah. Okay, because I wonder what these other support robots look like. Like how humanoid they are. You know? Yeah, we should get to see during the
1: Olympics. I want to see yeah. like. People taking videos of them and like see how good these robots are. Yeah, I'm going to be watching for those on YouTube. That sounds pretty cool. I'm ready to like find the next good robot company and like invest some money. Cause like 20 years from now, if they finally like really get them working well, oh man, that's going to become a huge industry. We're getting closer. I know. Uh, I know. Got to find the right place to drop that money. The
0: future is going to be crazy,
1: man. We're all going to be out of jobs, but the people that own the robots are going to be so rich. Own the robots. That's my (laughs) advice. Yeah.
0: So what if you're planning to go to these Olympics? Well, then hopefully you started planning a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. There are still tickets that will be available. They're going to be selling or reselling tickets through 2020 up until the Olympics from various places. Depending on your country, like a bunch of companies buy up a bunch of them. I think I read that about a third of Olympics tickets are resold by other companies. I totally believe it. But they're still in extremely high demand and they're going to be hard to get because this is probably going to be the most popular Olympics ever I saw.
1: Yeah. Who doesn't want to go to Tokyo?
0: Like what great reason to go to Tokyo? Like you even need a reason to go to Tokyo. Yeah. Apparently a lot of the times at Olympics, there are a lot of empty seats. And they like have to work to get more people in to make them look all filled up. That was my impression. Yeah. But these ones, it sounds like, uh, people have been clamoring for those tickets. Everything's selling out. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. It's gonna be great. It's like some obscure sport in like
0: the early rounds. The place is just rocking. (laughs) Like that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, And you know, I was, I was a little surprised at the price of tickets. I thought, I mean, it's the Olympics. I thought they would be super, super expensive. But the average price of all the Olympic tickets is 7,700 yen, or around 70 American dollars. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, not unreasonable, I would say. My first instinct was I thought the
1: tickets would be kind of cheap because they'd try to fill it up and make it look good. But then when I found out how popular these Olympics were going to be, yeah. I was surprised they had the self-control to like keep the prices that low. Mm-hmm. Because a lot, of, a lot of events are getting way higher than that these days. Yeah. So that's awesome. Normal people will be able to go.
0: Yeah, but hopefully, if you are planning on going, you already have your hotels booked because those are getting super expensive. I saw that capsule hotels, talked about those in our hotels episode early on. So capsule hotel, you just get like a little tube to sleep in, basically. They're usually super cheap, like 20 bucks a night, maybe. I saw that capsule hotels are advertising prices over $100 a night. Oh, Oh, man.
1: And they're all going to be booked up too. You're Holy. not going to be able to be like, oh, I missed the last train. I'll just pop in the capsule hotel. Like no, no chance. Yeah, probably. Maybe the manga cafe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you that's, rent to room and knock out. Yep. But those will probably be jacked up too. Who knows? Maybe just find a club and party all night. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't sleep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But if you're not going to the Olympics, like most of us, you can watch the Olympics because they're televised all over the world, right? It'll actually be fun to watch
1: because they always do some cultural stuff too, along with the, all the sports and things. Yeah. Like, so you'll get to see a lot of Japan reflected in the coverage, I think. That'd be cool. I'm sure they'll do some specials about the robots and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, probably. And uh, you know, your broadcasting network is going to depend, obviously, on where you are. But in the U.S., networks owned by NBC Universal are broadcasting at the Olympics. So keep an eye out for that. Got anything else, Paul? Yeah. Let's talk about Russia. Okay.
1: So you might see some Russian athletes at these Olympics, but they're not going to be above the Russian flag next to their name. And there's going to be no team sports for Russians. Yeah, I heard that. So this goes back years, but the Russian government has had problems with the world anti-doping agency. So basically, Russia was running a state sponsored doping program for their highest athletes in many sports. I follow tennis, and this came out in tennis. Quite a few Russians got popped for uh, various steroids and things in tennis. And it was coming from their government. Their government was helping them take steroids and helping them mask the tests, and they got caught. And they were on probation or something, and then they fudged more tests. So the anti-doping agency just banned Russia from all international competition for a while, including these Olympics. It's crazy. But certain individual Russian athletes that have passed all their tests will be allowed to compete under some undecided
0: neutral banner. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting note. It is interesting. It's kind of crazy the amount of effort that some governments put into sports. It's sports, you know? Yeah, for what, too? Like, what, some Russian
1: tennis player gets a few rankings higher in the world? Like, what What does that mean for Russia?
0: Breaking rights. Yeah, there's like a little bit of pride there, but that's it. Like, I don't know. Dude, I'm sure you know this, because you're way more into sports than I am, but I heard that Yao Ming was- He was Brad. Yeah, he was created by the Chinese government. Like, for generations, they were matching people up to get a really, really tall person His parents were both professional basketball players in China. How would that feel to like find out I was born because the government has been matching people up for generations? It would suck for those thousands of babies
1: that didn't become Yao Ming, but for Yao Ming, it's probably not. He's like, I'm Yao Ming, whatever. I made millions of dollars, I was an awesome player. It worked out well for him, sure. But there's probably for every Yao Ming, there's probably a thousand kids who didn't turn out as perfect Mm. or whatever
0: just that whole idea it just seems weird to me what powerful people choose to do
1: yeah (laughs) i mean mean?
0: and that was just a selective breeding program they're they're messed with genetics and
1: stuff now Mm. so who knows who knows what's going to happen in the future stuff like that so the russia thing kind of leads into my favorite little section the controversies surrounding the olympics So you mentioned in the intro about the bidding process that happened, Mm -hmm. and there have been allegations of bribery against the Japanese Olympic Committee's bid, and the guy that was in charge of it ended up stepping down, and it has been investigated, but as far as I could tell, there was no like guilty verdict, Mm -hmm. but they did an audit on the committee's accounting documents- and eight million dollars spent overseas has gone missing, and nobody knows where it is. Hmm. So, knowing how the Olympics go, there were probably some people that got bribed. I'd be surprised if there was a single place that won the Olympics in the last twenty years that didn't bribe a few people yeah. to to get it. So that, that that probably happened. But honestly, it's probably better that it went to Tokyo because it's gone to some lesser developed cities. And they just end up spending so much money on stuff that could have been better used. Yeah. Well, at least a lot of, Tokyo is already pretty developed, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of cities can go into debt that lasts for decades because the Olympics were there. Yeah. So I think it's better going to a place like Tokyo. They can afford it if they want to.
1: Also, they're going to be playing at baseball and softball games in Fukushima. And uh, the torch, the Olympic torch, is going to start there in Japan. And that's a little bit of a controversy because not everyone believes that it's totally safe yet after the nuclear disaster. Mm -hmm. But the baseball stadium's like 55 miles from the site of the nuclear disaster. That's pretty far. Like even, you know, I'm anti-nuclear and even I'm like, yeah, that's probably far enough away. They're probably all right, you know. Sure. But that's a controversy. The marathon was a slight controversy, but that's been settled now. Moved to Sapporo. no, oh, just because of the weather concern? Yeah, it was going to be too hot. You know, the Tokyo didn't want to give it up, but they eventually said, okay. So that got worked out. That's a good one. Yep. And then probably the biggest controversy, I think, is the labor practices. There's a hard date for the Olympics and everything's got to get done. So in 2017, there was a worker that killed himself and they did an investigation. What what kind of worker? What was he working on? He was a safety, some sort of safety supervisor for construction. I don't know exactly. constructing like the new arenas? Something like that. Yeah. Something new they were building. I don't know exactly what it was, but they found out he had recorded 211 hours of overtime In the month before he killed himself. What? In a month. Yeah. What? So he must have been working like 12 hours or more a day, every single day for like a month straight. Maybe even more, maybe even 14 hours a day. I didn't do the math, but that's insane. That is insane. Insane. Because, you know, a full time worker, 40 hours a week, you're going to be working like 160, 170, whatever hours a month. So he more than doubled that. That's crazy. So must have had like zero days off that whole month. So then they did a wider audit after that came to light and they found 18 companies out of 40 had workers working more than 80 hours of overtime per month and several of them exceeding 150 hours
0: of overtime. Yep. That's ridiculous.
1: So, I mean, the Japanese have always had that like work hard mentality, but that's crazy. Yeah. So hopefully they got a hold on that a little bit, man. Then there were a couple international controversies too. South Korea is involved in both of them. South Korea has petitioned the Olympic Committee to ban the Japanese Rising Sun flag from the Olympics.
0: Yeah, I heard something about that. You know, they and we're. I just want to be clear: we're not talking about the Japanese flag, like the white flag with the red sun in the middle, the red circle. We're talking about what did you call it? Imperial flag. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a flag. It looks very similar to the Japanese flag, but it's got these red rays coming out of that sun, and it has a long history in Japan of being connected to the military. So that's why that flag is controversial. Yeah, and I don't even know why
1: they'd be trying to use that one. I don't know why they don't just use... Japan's really nationalistic, probably bringing it up, even though they probably shouldn't. But uh, South Korea is saying uh, they're comparing it to... The Nazi flag and how the swastika reminds Europeans of the nightmares of World War II. Wow, they're saying that this is what that flag means to us. That's a pretty uh, strong comparison. Yeah, and they've kind of got a point because it wasn't just World War two. I mean, Japan. Yeah, they had a long history of occupied Korea in for a while. Yeah, and were arguably committing a genocide on the Korean people. They were teaching them all Japanese and burning Korean books and. It was bad. But anyways, the last controversy I'll get to is border disputes. So on the map for like the official website for the Olympic Games, there's a map that shows Japan and it shows the Kuril Islands as part of Japan, which Russia claims. Yeah, those those ones up by Hokkaido, right? Yep. And then there's the Leoncourt Rocks. which are some islands that are governed by South Korea that are shown as part of Japan there, too. Hmm. So South Korea and Russia both objected to that. Yeah. But there's all sorts of island border disputes in the Pacific. It's not unusual. Yeah. That's all I've got for the Olympics. All right. If you're going, I hope you have a good
0: time. Yeah, definitely. guess that's the end of the episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can send an email to feedback at com, which, by the way, is our website, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. You can also reach us through there. We have a contact form on there. Paul, what are we talking about in our next episode? On the next episode, we're going to be talking about the Kyushu region. An awesome region. That's where I spent like half of my last trip. A lot of cool stuff there. Yeah. Kyushu being the southernmost of the big Japanese
1: islands. Yep. Also including the <laughs> Ryokan Islands. Ryokan. <laughs> <laughs> also including the Ryuku the The Ryukyu Islands. Yeah, the region stretches all the way to Okinawa. Down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's
0: Kyushu and everything in Japan south of Kyushu. Yep. Pretty much. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.